Welcome aboard on this Wednesday. It's a Wednesday with Walt. Big Walt. Keith Kachuk joining the show. We have not talked to him since he got his blue jacket, member of the Blues Hall of Fame. His son Brady Kachuk had a hat trick last night and also in his Blues duties as a member of the front office, part of the Doug Armstrong group of, let's say, executives. That doesn't feel like a Kachuk title, executive, but part of the team of the front office. Things have improved over the last month. I was crunching numbers at work last night. On January 1st, the Blues were in 11th place in the Western Conference, and then they jumped to 8th over the course of about six weeks. So they've made up a lot of ground, so we'll talk about the current roster, Big Walt with us. Also, Jeff Jackson, who is the commissioner of the Missouri Valley. And I want to get his take on this because you're really proud of your league, your teams, your coaches. But what happens when they have success? We saw this with Porter Mosier at Loyola. Every big program is trying to steal him once they had success. He stayed for a while, stayed true to Loyola. But now that Indiana State's doing well, Drake's been on a run for a couple of years how does the commissioner feel when everybody's talking about his coaches as being the the next person at such and such school? So he's on the program. Also, Darren James from Mid-America Airport. They're making some uh, updates over there, adding some new flights. If you're looking to get away and go to warm places, we'll find out the update from Mid-America, St. Louis Airport. Brendan Weesey and I later, and I think I'll save the Kevin Demoff discussion for the end of the show. This morning with McGraw, I wouldn't say I was on a rant, but it just kind of, I guess it became a rant. And it started with Kevin Demoff, the former Rams, St. Louis Rams executive. He's still their CEO in L.A. But he tweeted his support for Steve Spagnuolo being a head coach, getting another crack, which I think is all well and good. But then he said, you know, it was he basically said it was just like a lousy organization. It was just a lousy time to be a head coach. And I just want him to be a little more specific. Because if he wants to go through history, I would love to do that. Not only the Spagnolo era, but also the Kevin era in St. Louis. So I'm going to save that. Brendan Weesey and I will tee that up uh, a little bit later in the show before I get myself all wound up. That Royals Stadium announcement on Tuesday, we had Joel Goldberg on to talk about it. Had a chance to see some of the renderings. It looks really cool. Uh, and hopefully we'll have some updates later today. I know there's been some issues at the parade for the Chiefs. Full disclosure, as we're recording this, we don't have all the details. Hoping and praying that everybody's okay. It sounded like some shots were fired at the end of the Chiefs parade, so I don't want to gloss over that, but at this moment, I don't know a lot of the details. I was looking at those renderings for the stadium, which would be right in downtown Kansas City, and it looks really cool. I know they still have to push it forward, but interesting that one of the people supporting it, or at least via Twitter, saying, yes, I like it, was Patrick Mahomes. And if you're trying to get anything done in Kansas City, I would say having Mahomes on your side uh, is a good thing. So we'll get to the show. And a reminder, we're now only six days away from the return of soccer at City Park. City SC will be back next Tuesday hosting Houston CONCACAF Series. That means the pitch will be rocking and rolling. When I say the pitch... I mean the cool bar right across the street from City Park. It's the pitch where you can watch the Bundesliga, the Champions League. Great hangout right there on Market Street, literally across the street from City Park. Such a great idea from Bob and Steve O'Loughlin. They're always coming up with great ideas. They've redone Union Station, bringing in the aquarium, the Ferris wheel, and now for about a year it's the beautiful athletic club and tavern, awesome food, great layout. 
if you're going to watch soccer, you want to get comfortable. You don't want to be sitting on a bar stool the whole time. They've got the sofas, oversized chairs. So if you're watching your favorite team play, this is the soccer hangout in St. Louis. And when City is playing, if you don't have tickets, who cares? Just hang out at the pitch. You'll be part of the festivities before the game, and they'll have it on during the game. People will be just all over the place. You'll hear the uh, supporters marching up and down the street. It's just fun to be part of the festivities. Stop by and see them or check them out online, thepitch-stl.com. And on the line now, it's Big Walt. Keith Kachuk, Wednesdays with Walt when we do call him or track him down. By the way, we're at the uh, Hall of Fame night. Walt's getting his blue jacket, a Blues Hall of Famer. I'm talking to his best buddies, Jimmy O'Brien, O.B. Clarks, Doug Krogan. And I think one of them, I can't remember if it was O.B. or Krogan, said, hey, when you call Walt, is he always like golfing or at the dry cleaner or the drive? I'm like, I know. We're trying to nail him down. And today we did. We gave him a little extra time today to prepare. Big Walt, how are you? Hey, sorry, 2020. I missed the first phone call. I apologize. You're, it's okay. Just trying try, try to do some work here, pal. Oh. Trying to do some work. Why not track of time? Make, make me feel worse and say it was something from my wife, Chantel, or Doug Armstrong called and I had to file a report. And then I'm like, okay, my my little puppet show doesn't really matter now, does it? I was watching for some video, buddy, for the Blues. I'm always working, oh, kid. You're always working for you. That sounds like a local TV slogan. Keith Kachuk, <laughs> always working for you. How about Brady last night? Hat trick for Brady Kachuk. Yeah, that was good for him. Happy for him. Um, it was great for his team. Uh, they needed that win. Um, you know, they're actually, uh, I think they're 6-1-1 one one or something, or 6-1-2 in their last uh, nine games or something. I think 6-1-2, and two, I believe. So it's good. I'm happy for him. You know, he's uh, you know, he works hard. So it was good to see him get rewarded last night and get a big W. Has he settled in as far as being a captain? I mean, they put that C on him pretty young, and yeah. and he, he's kind of. I mean, people that don't know, he's a little low key at times, right? So how has he had to kind of embrace that role? I think it's difficult, uh, you know, being young and being a captain in a Canadian market um, with a young team. So it's not easy. Um, you usually have a lot of vets around you, but you know they're a young team, and you know um, he takes things to heart. He, you know, wears his heart in his sleeve, so he gets emotional at times. Um, but you know, this is a learning curve for him. Um, you know, he's got to you know rely on his teammates, but it's been a, it's been a challenge, especially this year with the high expectations of the team. So he's been really, really. You know, emotional at times, but you know this will make him better in the long run. What's Ottawa like as a hockey market? We know Toronto and Montreal. I feel like we talk about them a lot in terms of their hockey fans. Is Ottawa just as rabid about their team? Yeah, until uh, until Toronto comes to town, then it's like eighty <laughs> percent Toronto fans, which makes me sick to my stomach. But no, Ottawa, they have a great fan base. They're passionate about their team. Things are heading in the right direction with the ownership and different things, and the building has been really good. Uh, they're getting a lot more fans than they did in the past. You know, you know, a little disappointing this year, but you know, like I said, it's been better lately. Um, still playing in a tough division, but they have they have great fans, and I know Brady's really happy up there. It was Toronto and Ottawa that recent game that led to the suspension for Riley of the Maple Leafs, and so it was the end. Of, for people who didn't see, it was the end of the game. And it's an empty net goal. And the complaint from Toronto was that the the Senators scored like you. And what are the rules? Like an empty net, you're not supposed to shoot a slap shot. You're supposed to just tap it in. Is that an unwritten rule? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, things have changed. You know, he's a kid who did it. He's a good kid. He plays hard. He's a great teammate. I've met him numerous times. He's a great kid. So I know the Ottawa Senators have his back. You know, it's a difficult situation. Ottawa, I mean, Toronto lost. Um, you know, Ottawa was playing at home, but it still felt like a road game. So I'm sure the Ridley great kid wanted to rub it in a little bit. And obviously, O'Reilly didn't like it. But everybody's making a big, yeah, he cross-checked, got suspended. That's the right call. But I love some of these people saying, "Oh, I love the emotion of the Toronto." None of the other, none of the other guys did anything on the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's why I laugh. I mean, you cross-checked them. You know, I probably would have done something similar. But you know, it is what it is. It's a big rivalry, and you move on. Have you ever been mad? I feel like at that point, the game's over. Like, who cares about an empty net goal? Is that ever? Is that typically been a topic? Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they're probably mad. I think they, you know, Ottawa's done, you know, Ottawa's still out of playoff spot, and Toronto's fighting for their lives right now, and probably things didn't go the way Toronto wanted, and, you know, I get both sides of it. I really do. I mean, I'm, you know, they lost, and they're pissed off, and Riley did what he had to do, and, you know, it is what it is. I get it. Uh, by the way, Brady did get mocked by Big Walt at the Missouri Athletic Club the night of the Blues alumni induction for his lack of acting skills on the phone call uh, to Big Walt. How about that night itself? Mom was there. Uh, Dad was there. The family. Well, the boys weren't there. But uh, what did that mean to you to be part of that night as a newest member of the Blues Hall of Fame? It was great. I mean, everything the Blues do, especially with Mike Caruso's behind it, you know, it's, it's first class. I mean, I was so surprised when I got the call, especially when the boys told me. And, and obviously, having Chantel there, my parents, my brother showed up with my buddies from Boston, and then my St. Louis buddies, and, and it was great. The former players, there was just, and to do it with uh, Mike and obviously Pav, uh, you know, my, one of my dearest friends. And have an owl up there, prongs, and you know it, it was it was it was you know it was one of those things that exceeded my expectations, and you know then to be able to come to the rink the next day and drop the puck and be a part of that all, and you know I miss playing obviously, but you know being part of this, you know St. Louis tradition is it means a lot to me. I love the Blues, I love the franchise, I love the fans, I love everything about it. But it was a great event, I really was. It's a pretty good collection of Hall of Famers. I think Red Berenson said it that I, night. I, I, yeah, I, I forgot. Sorry, I forgot about Holly too. He was he was the main attraction. It was awesome. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I in the lobby. So we're doing interviews. We're running around, and Holly gets called over to. I don't know who I told this story to, but he gets called over to interview with a kid. It's another probably a Mike Caruso Spielberg production. And Holly turns to me and goes, here, hold this. And he hands me like a Manhattan. And I'm like, you really want me to hold this for you? You sure about that? You're handing it to the wrong guy. But you're right. Holly was there, Prongs, McKinnis, And Red Berenson said if everybody was in their prime, this Blues alumni group, he said this could beat just about any alumni group in the league. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, the, the amount of people that came in, you know, Gary Unger was there. Obviously, Bernie's been a huge part of this franchise since day one. So, and Holly, it was, it was awesome. It was, you know, you, you, when you do these things, you guys go up there and give speeches. I thought it was a great way um, for people on whatever, you know, streaming saw and the people live saw, just the stories and the fun events that led up to our careers with each other and, and part of the Blues history. I think people love that. So, um, you know, I can't wait for next year to see who gets inducted, and I can't wait to be a part of it. 
Big Walt, Keith Kachuk, our guest. Other Blues news uh, separate from the team on the ice. The Winter Classic next year, Wrigley Field. We had Chris Zimmerman on talking about it. How cool do you think that'll be for players? You're a big baseball fan. To be at Wrigley Field, it's probably going to be snowing in late December, early January. That's going to be about as good a setting as you'll get. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I mean, uh, you know, we're lucky to be, you know, such a great franchise and be able to get tied in with stuff like this. And I think being at Wrigley, you know, thank God for Bedard, <laughs> kind of probably helped us get that game. So I think it's going to be great. I'm so pumped for the players. I think it's going to be an incredible experience for them, uh, incredible experience for the fans, and it renews the rivalry between the Blackhawks. And the Blues, I think it's going to be a great event, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm trying to get the alumni game back. You played in the one at Bush, didn't you? Yeah, and I'm, I'm a one and done. You're not. <laughs> I'm a one and yeah. done. <laughs> okay, so maybe you're not in this game, but if we bring it back, think about some of the younger guys, like Backus could oh. play. Uh, I don't know if Osh is retiring. Oh, you could have a lot of really. Uh, uh, Barrett Jackman. Yeah. So got it going. Jamal, Andy McDonald, all live in town and skate, so got a pretty good group. Yeah, who would Jamal play for? That's the only challenge there, right? Oh, yeah, he lives in St. Louis. I know. I love Jammer. I'm just saying he's a black hole. And even Troy Brower, I said, would play a period for each team. Yeah, he would. He works for us, so he's got to play for us. Who, Troy Brower does? Did I know that? Yeah, yeah, he does pro scouting for us out west. He does covers, uh, you know, Alberta, Vancouver, British Columbia, all that area, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg. I want to do so that. Can I, I would like to be a scout in Vancouver. I'll just go to some you games. Bud, you never made it past JV. You can't be a scout. <laughs> I, I sent you the dry cleaning bill. This is my relationship with Walt. This is what it's come down to. I'm at the dry cleaner. The lady comes out. It's like a couple of things. And she said, okay, your bill is 2020. I swear to you. I, scre- <laughs> I screenshotted it and sent it to you. Can't make, can't make that up. You can't make And she's like, why is this guy laughing? It's $20.20. <laughs> and I'm like, it's 2020. Uh, how about the Blues? Recent surge. This has been going on a while. They had the banister bump, we'll call it. Initially, they won five out of six, cooled off, and then they won seven out of nine. Uh, I think in your world, as part of the Blues front office, you have to feel better now about the chances to be a playoff team. 100%. The guys battled back. Um, you know, you had to make a change, I guess. And, you know, you, you, you get the result that, you know, a little spark from the guys. And I think different guys have stepped up. Uh, along the way, and, and you know, and especially with some injuries too, and you're missing Folky, Peronovich, and and you know, so it's it's, it's it was some big loss in the defense. You have other guys stepping up, coming up from Springfield, done a good job. So uh, I like what I see. Obviously, you know, against Toronto was a tough one, but I think the guys will bounce back and take care of business there at home. And um, it's going to be a battle the rest of the way, but we'll see what happens. Is Jake Neighbors a little bit of a throwback, a kid who is willing to fight even if it's somebody a foot taller than him or willing to hit and, and kind of – he reminds me of like a younger Shen. Yeah, he pays the price. He really does. He, um, you know, he's, what, he's got 17 goals or something like that already. And then, you know, it's the way he scores. He's willing to go to the tough areas to to find a way to help his team win. And, and you know, that goes a long way in the locker when a young guy is willing to do whatever it takes. And he's not afraid, and that's – got St. Louis Blues hockey, and it's good to see Matt Kessel's another guy who's come up and really emerged, playing a couple of years in Springfield, done a good job, so you're getting good goaltending, so we'll see where it takes us. And you talk about young guys, these are people you probably saw play in, what are these made-up towns, Sarnia and these other places, did you see neighbors uh, along the way? I, 
I watched a lot of a lot of him on video, um, so I got to see what he. You know, you saw the skill and you know the determination and the little things, and same with some of the other guys that we've seen. And obviously, you know, you're being led by Robert. You know, offensively right now, and it was good to see him get the nod up in up in Toronto for the All Star game. But you know, Pareko's been outsta- Pareko's been outstanding. So I mean, you're getting your players to step up. Cairo can heat up and. Center, center, center always battle. Bushnevitz is having a good year, so we like where it's heading. What is Pareko doing differently? He's always been good. He's never the guy that people wanted him to be, which was, oh, just hammer somebody. You're so big. And it was never, it was kind of like a Bowmeister thing. Just accept the skill set that they bring to the table. What has he, everybody has said this year he's been way better. What, what's he done differently? Well, he's just, he's just simple. I mean, he, I mean, first of all, he's six foot, what, five, and he can skate as good as anybody, and he, has that burst of speed where he keeps he can he can be aggressive but still recover well to keep the outside and he's just keeping things simple and when you're that big and you can skate that well you cover a lot of ice and you get in the way and you keep guys to the outside that's that's huge for us so he's done great and um, you know he's got that calm kind of demeanor about him very very quiet kid but we'll do whatever it takes so it's good to see him you know, really leading by example back there on the, on the defense floor. And whether they get in as the seventh best team in the West or the eighth or whatever, what, in your world where you and Doug sit, I mean, what does it mean to be in as opposed to just not not making the playoffs two years in a row is pretty oh. rare for the Blues. Well, the guys battle. It wasn't looking good for a while, but the guys battle, put themselves back in a great position. to. And you saw what Florida did last year. You just got to get in and you know, um, and see what happens. You get hot at the right moment. Bennington's done it before. You got a hole for two in case. So I really like our goaltending and, and uh, guys have been there. We still got guys who've been in a situation. So, um, you know, I just get in and get in and, and, you know, at the right time, being hot and that should take you through no matter who you play. Robert Thomas, you mentioned, got the all-star invite. I looked it up at the break. He led the Blues in every category, including penalty minutes, which shocked me. I didn't realize that. Every single category is he about to go to the next level? You think in terms of how the league view? I mean, like he's well known around here. Is his star well, growing? I'll, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it with the whole penalty minutes. I can't take the word for it because that's shocking. I swear to you, so, and I, I saw oh, that. Yeah. You think it was a typo? Well, I think so. But um, but offensively in other categories, one hundred percent. This kid has lifted his game up to another level, and I think you know Doug challenged him over the summer, and this kid came to play. His skating, his hockey sense, his skill level. Um, he wants to be the guy, and he's finding a way to make other guys better, and that's what good leaders do. It's Big Walt. Keith Kachuk will let him go. He swore off the socks on this show. Are you done with the Patriots? Are you giving up on them? I'm trying no, to... no, I like them. I like the Patriots. Okay. I, like the, I, was there when, I was there when they were crappy. With Steve Grogan. John Hanna. Russ Francis. Know, Russ Francis. You know, yeah, well, they were good teams back there. Andre Tippett. You know, we go, but I've always been a pass fan. So okay. I'll stick right. with them. I was trying to get you to swear off yet. I was going to slowly eliminate no. all the Boston team. Okay. No. Just the Sox. No. Just the Sox. All right, buddy. Great talk. All right, 2020. Thanks for having me, buddy. And Big Walt's big night at the Missouri Athletic Club. That's who hosted the Blues' uh, latest alumni class, Missouri Athletic Club, always hosting big time events, the Jackbox Sports Awards weddings and business events downtown such a cool spot hopefully you've been there the historic location on washington avenue been there since 1903 the missouri athletic club also has the west clubhouse so if you're into fitness you want to work out 
early in the morning, late in the afternoon, want to shoot some buckets, lift weights, whatever, you can do it at two different locations. Or if you're into the social scene, hosting folks, putting on a business event, you can do that at the West Clubhouse or downtown. Food's always great. Service is even better. So it's social, it's fitness, family, kids. During the summer, they have camps. You can always take a lesson, play some tennis, some pickleball. It really does have a little bit of everything for everyone. Such a cool spot. 120-plus years now. Celebrated the big one last year. Now rolling into another decade. It's the Missouri Athletic Club. Two clubhouses, one membership. MAC-STL.org. And on the line with us right now, Darren James, Executive Director, Mid-America Airport, St. Louis, our friends in Mascouda, Illinois. And boy, this time of year, Darren, people are getting that itch to go to warmer places, even though we've had a little bit of a break in the weather. You know, I'm predicting, I told our weather guy, I'm still predicting a big snow. And he said, based on what? And I said, because it hasn't happened yet. It's just going to happen. How are things at the airport? And I bet you're starting to see a little more activity with people grabbing beach towels and swimsuits. That's what we are. We're uh, starting to see the, the seasonal travel kick up, and, you know, spring break's just around the corner, so encouraging folks to to, to book their flight on Allegiant and get, get to warmer locations uh, to, to beat that snow if you're predicting it. Yeah, yeah. It's not an official measurement or prediction. I don't have any, I don't have any machinery at my disposal. It's kind of like the Farmer's Almanac. I think they used to do it by gut. Let's remind folks, what are the current – Florida destination specifically for Allegiant right now. So specific areas that we that we head out to, uh, Destin uh, in the Panhandle is probably one of the, the largest. We have St. Pete, Punta Gorda. Uh, we go to Jacksonville. We go to uh, Sanford, Orlando, uh, and I think oh, and Fort Lauderdale would be the other one. I can't remember if I mentioned that. Oh yeah, well, plenty of Florida spots, and I've told people. If you've ever done the drive to Destin with your kids, you know what that 12-hour death march is. <laughs> you can, I think, what is like an hour 15 from the you know plane doors closed to plane doors open? Hour 15, and you're there. That's I'm sure you've done some family trips over the years, and you're thinking, man, I think we could have been there a lot sooner. Absolutely. That's why I was just down in the, the Orlando area uh, this past week and, and took Allegiant back and forth, and it was uh, smooth sailing. All right, what's on deck? Is is Vegas happening right now? Phoenix, I know coming up here we're going to have some new additions. We are. We're, we start up uh, Las Vegas in this in the month of February, so that's uh, starting back up. Uh, the great news that we had was just the release of uh, a new route. So we're going to be flying to Knoxville, Tennessee, beginning in June. Uh, so that gives people the opportunity to get out to the, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park and the Pigeon Forge area. So we're excited about uh that uh, starting up they might even get some mizzou fans down the road going to a game at tennessee uh how about for you now you've been there for a little while settling in and uh how are you enjoying the i know you were there part of the staff before but how about for you with the new position no it's been fantastic uh, obviously it's a different focus uh moving from kind of focusing on the operations but uh, more towards uh, development of, of the operations and and new air service. Uh, so that's it's been a fantastic transition. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have the personnel we do at the airport uh, that keep the operation running smoothly. And I don't know how you quantify this, but if you've been in the airport business for a while, you're used to seeing plenty of people who are grouchy or crabby because maybe they're on a business trip or they're on a layover. I would think the bulk of your people, they're happy. They're going on vacation. They're going somewhere warm. Is there a way to sort of get that feel in the building 
Well, absolutely. You know, to your point, since we focus on the leisure travel, most folks that that come through here are excited because they're they're moving on to a destination they're excited about and 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 look forward to spending time away from home, uh, potentially with family. But uh, you know, whether it's in the southeast or moving out to Las Vegas uh, uh, for a little bit of rest and relaxation out there, uh, how could you be upset? Darren James, Executive Director at Mid-America Airport, St. Louis. You can get more information, flymidamerica.com. Uh, final thought here about Boeing. I know over the years they've done a number of different things. How much activity do you see on a daily basis that doesn't involve uh, Allegiant or people going to warmer places? Well, most of the, you know, for Boeing right now, they're, they're still uh, working through their production facility and, and getting that up and running. So, they're going to be a little bit down the road with the MQ-25 Stingray. But as you know, since we're a joint-use airport, uh, the other activity we typically see is, is part of the Department of Defense, the Air Force, our partners across the, the runway, uh, operating in and out of here, uh, defending the country and, and, and taking care of us uh, each and every day. Well, Darren, thanks for hopping on. Happy travels to all your great customers over there, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate it. We're going to talk some Missouri Valley Conference. We're going to do it with the commissioner. Jeff Jackson is on the line. And, Jeff, great to have you on the show. This is the time of year you're starting to get that itch, right? We're a couple of weeks out from Arch Madness. The the basketball season is not winding down. I would argue that it's heating up. Uh, How much fun is your job right now? Well, it's definitely the latter. It's it's heating up. Um, You know, we're having great competition this year because the league is so deep. We have a lot of good teams. Um, both well for the league overall and both well for having a great Arch Madness experience this year because we're going to have about six or seven teams that are going to feel pretty confident that they can get our AQ and make it to the NCAA tournament. What did it mean for the league to see Indiana State ranked? That was so cool. First time since Larry Bird. Everybody can sort of grab onto a narrative like that. I know they lost. That was a tough loss right after getting ranked. But how about just the reaction for you, the office, the league, to see them ranked? Well, most importantly, it's great for Indiana State and the Terre Haute community. Um, uh, their president, Deborah Curtis, their basketball coach, Josh Schurz, they, they do a fantastic job. And um, they, they, in a very short period of time, have turned that program around. And um, I'm excited for them. I'm happy for the success that they're having. You know, I think they're currently embedded in the NCAA tournament, regardless of whether they win our championship in St. Louis or not, which is great to see. Um, I'm just really excited for them, and, and their fan base has just totally embraced it. Um, I was there last week. It was a sellout. I was there the week before. It was a sellout. Um, I, I think there will be a wave of uh, that powder blue walking around downtown St. Louis here in a few weeks, and that's great for us, and that's great for them. Yeah, and you, you look at the history of the program. Like I said, you were going way back. It, it's just kind of fun. I'm old enough to remember those games back in the day. Just kind of fun to see the rebirth. You mentioned them getting in. I think their net going into last night was 20. They played Alabama. They played Michigan State. How how important is that for you guys to get those types of games? Well, most of our teams are able to get those type of games. The problem with those games, Martin, is normally they're games that are on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the challenge for our teams is, is when you have a chance to play those games and trying to get them to what we would call neutral sites. Getting them where there's a fair opportunity to win, not that you can't win at Michigan State or you can't win at Alabama or you can't win at some of the places that, that we talk about in that genre, 
But certainly when you can play him in what we call MTE, multi-team events, and you've got him in a neutral site, those are going to be better opportunities. Or, for example, this year we had Oklahoma State come in and play Southern Illinois, and Southern Illinois was able to beat him at home. Uh, those are the games that we really hope to get where you feel like you've got a fair opportunity walking in as opposed to, you know, if you're going up to play uh, Michigan State, you obviously are playing Michigan State and then the uh, 18,000 other people who are there uh, in the green. What would it mean for you guys if Indiana State, let's just say they don't happen to win the conference tournament, but they've still had a great run, they've got a great net, and it, and it does work out that they're in the tournament, what would it mean for the league to get two? Well, I, I think it just means we're a good league, but I think we've already established that. You know, I, I think it, it's not always just about whether you get two. You know, I think the thing that's really separated the Missouri Valley is that when we've gone to the NCAA tournament, we performed. You know, we've, we've played in a fashion in where we've beaten teams from other conferences, and I think that's what's been the important part of the success story for the Missouri Valley, not just who and how many you get in, but the type of success you have when you are in the tournament. How excited are you when you hear the pundits and the conversation around the country about some of your coaches, whether it's DeVries at Drake or whether Josh Schurz you mentioned uh, at Indiana State? It's, it's exciting to hear them talking about your guys, but at the same time, you're probably thinking, no, wait a minute, don't come and take our coaches. <laughs> like, it's the greatest. I, I, I don't think that. Um, okay. I, I think uh, our institutions are fantastic about their commitment to basketball, which means they're going to attract great coaches. And you mentioned two or three of the coaches who definitely qualify in that category. And if that means that they stay because our institutions are where they want to be or if they move on because they have other opportunities, what I have a great deal of confidence in is that our institutions will go out and get somebody just as good. Um, you know, so for us, you know, it's about doing the very best you can, knowing that we have the resources, we have the fan bases, we have the passion, that whatever the results are from that success, it's going to be a benefit to the conference one way or the other. Well, it's a great point, and it's a confident way to approach it. And I think Loyola is a good example. I know they're in the A-10 now, but when they made their run, and Porter Mosier, I think, kept saying, you know what, I like it here. This is a good fit for me. He eventually left, but he didn't hurry. And I think that's also a good model for some of these coaches. You don't necessarily have to jump right away. Just make sure it's the right time. Yeah, and, you know, those are personal decisions. You know, they, they, they all have to figure out, you know, what's best for them, what's best for their family, where the opportunity lies. And as we all know, the decision about taking a job it can, can be convoluted. Jeff Jackson is the Missouri Valley Conference Commissioner. Year three for him, Arch Madness, a couple of weeks out at Enterprise Center. Recently announced the extension there. It seems to make a lot of sense. I would call it a no-brainer, but I'm not sitting at your desk. How do you yeah, come? I, I, think, I think you're calling it well. We, okay. we, it, was, it, it was, you know, Chris Zimmerman, Todd Mitchell, they were fantastic. Um, it, it wasn't a negotiation. It was two groups that realized, that the quid pro quo was fantastic. What we were getting out of being in the Enterprise Center and being associated with those entities that support the Enterprise Center, being associated with the city of St. Louis, and the graciousness that the Blues and the Enterprise Center have showed us, uh, it, it was a no-brainer, and we're extremely excited about continuing that relationship. Yeah, people probably don't even realize the Blues go to the NHL and say, all right, here's a block where we cannot be at home. Just know every year this little window, we've got to be on the road, and they've done that for years. What do you hear from your member schools about coming here? Is there any critique? Oh, they it. It, it, you know, it, it, for us, it's perfect because geographically, 
it sits right in the middle of our conference. You know, nobody is really much more than five hours away. Um, you know, everybody can get here by car. It's a great city. You know, whether you're talking about being able to play in a facility like the Enterprise Center or the restaurants or, you know, just taking advantage of the different amenities that make up the St. Louis community, all those things create an extremely positive experience for our student-athletes. What did you know about the Valley? You obviously were in the game of basketball yourself at a high level. What did you know about it? What have you learned since you've been on the job? Well, you know, it's funny. I was, I was, I was talking with um, Darren DeVries before the Bradley game on Saturday, and, and, I, and I told him, you know, uh, from afar, I knew the Valley was good. Um, just as you mentioned, being an S basketball coach, being involved with basketball for so long. You know, what I didn't know Martin that was this good. <laughs> okay. That, you know, as, as, I, as I think I said to Darren was, you know, somebody came up with the novel idea of we're going to play 20 games. And, and that is such an unbelievable gauntlet because of the depth of talent, the depth of uh, coaching, uh, the fan base enthusiasm, all those things just make it so challenging to get through a season. And it, it just creates great competition for our student athletes. And, you know, the cream rises to the crop, and we have one of the better leagues in the country because of all the amenities and all the things that make the Missouri Valley what it is. It's amazing the history. Recently, the Billikens had a game. They scored over 100 points, and the, the statistical note was it was the most points they'd scored in a conference game since 1956 when they were in the Missouri Valley. And then I was looking up some Mizzou historical seasons when they've struggled. The last time they went winless was when they were in the Missouri Valley in 1908. And I'm like, that's it probably can't be said enough, just the history of the Valley and how many different teams have been a member at some point. Well, we're the second oldest conference in the country. And, you know, you start talking about names and coaches and, you know, my first my, my second year here, we inducted Tubby Smith, who had been the head coach of Tulsa in Kentucky and, and, and obviously is, was a great representative of the Missouri Valley. And then this year we'll be uh, inducting Nolan Richardson, who was the head coach of Tulsa and then Arkansas and won a Final Four. And it, you're right, there are so many different schools that have had an opportunity to be part of this great conference. And uh, there are so many different you know, degrees of separation, so to speak, um, that you, you always seem to be running into Missouri Valley lore or legacy. All right, so we go almost 10 minutes with a commissioner of a college conference, and I hadn't mentioned NIL yet, but we have to ask, how are you guys navigating this? I know it's it's sort of, I'm going to say it's messy for some places, name, image, and likeness. Um, what do you hear from your coaches in all the different sports on, on in terms of how to like go about it? Because it seems a little like it's all new territory. Well, we think NIL is great. We, we think it's a great opportunity for our student-athletes to take advantage of their name, image, and likeness, and, and probably something that was long overdue. Uh, I think where we struggle, where I think a lot of conferences and a lot of institutions struggle, is that right now we have a little bit of an unregulated market. You know, What we want to know is that um, NIL is not being used as an inducement. We want to know that our student-athletes have some transparency in the process and that they're being treated fairly. But we think NIL is a good thing for our student-athletes, and it's a great opportunity for them to, in, in many ways, uh, profess their entrepreneurial spirit. So we like NIL. We just want it done correctly. Yeah, and it does seem like the, the biggest complaint you'll hear, and I agree with this, is it was never intended to be a recruiting tool. It's the, you know, Let's say the kid at Mizzou, let's just say, or Oklahoma, he's a football star. He's on campus. He's having a great year. 
hey, if you want to make some money and go sign some posters or be in a commercial for the car dealer, that made sense. Yet it's sort of gone totally sideways. And you'll hear coaches now saying they're on a Zoom call and the kid says, okay, how much? I'm like, excuse me? Like before they even get them on campus, how do, how do, you, how do you think – that can be regulated or, or controlled. Well, you know, I, I think we're running parallel tracks, obviously, under the leadership of the new president of the NCAA, Charlie Baker. Um, we're doing things to try and come up with regulations that people can all agree to and then most importantly adhere to. But I also think, like a lot of conferences, the Missouri Valley has been involved in this. We've all been to Capitol Hill. We're trying to get some help legislatively so that we have some things codified in a way that institutions understand what the rules of the road are, regardless of what state or what conference they're in. So I, I think we're all working hard to solve what is not going to be an easy problem to solve. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some brain power. Um, but, you know, we've got a lot of smart people looking into this, so hopefully sometime here in the near future we can come up with something that everybody can live with. So can Jeff Jackson, former head coach, basketball at Furman, New Hampshire, can you watch a basketball game? Without saying to yourself, "Oh no, they got to go man here. Oh, they need to switch oh, it absolutely. up." Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Because I'm watching the officials. Okay. <laughs> oh, so you're not you're not worried. So you're not worried about strategy. Yeah, you, you, I, I, I'm really worried. Well, let's put it this way: in conference play, I'm never worried about who wins and loses. Right. The only time I root is in non-conference play and postseason play. Um, so to me, it's really more about hey, what what what's going on for our student athletes? What's taking place? What's the event, so to speak, looks like? And, you know, you know certainly you're going to notice certain things when they take place. You're going to notice great players. You're going to notice great plays. You're going to notice great coaching. Um, but you don't have that same tether uh, to it as, as you did when you're coaching. We always hear high schools have a hard time getting officials, referees. How about at the collegiate level? Is that an issue at all? Well, it, we're fortunate. We're in a consortium that's oversawed by the Big 12, and so we have a tendency to get pretty good officiating. But, look, it's a challenge. There's just not as many people in the pipeline. Um, it, it's even more of a challenge in women's basketball. So we're always trying to effort to figure out ways um, to get more young people involved in it. And, you know, it's not an easy profession because, let's face it, fans can get a little bit uh, agitated. They can be a little overzealous at times, and that doesn't always make for a welcoming experience. In your three years now on the job, has Jack Watkins taken a day off? This is the most important question I have for you here. <laughs> I think the better question is, has Jack Watkins taken an hour off? Right. <laughs> I mean, I think a day is, is, is maybe too long of an extended period of time. And as you know, Martin, we're very fortunate to have Jack and Mike Kern and other members of our staff. They all do a fantastic job and make my life a whole lot easier. Yeah, and they've done a great job for years, not only running Arch Madness, running uh, NCAA tournament events in our town, and I think sometimes even over in Kansas City. Jeff Jackson is the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Arch Madness. You'll hear it right here on KTRS. Opening day will be on a Thursday. I'm going to do my quick math. I think it's March 7th, if I'm looking go. at the calendar. March 7th it is. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. No, my pleasure, Martin. Anytime, and look forward to seeing you over at the uh, Enterprise Center here in a few weeks. Hey, great to have the commish on the show. Really looking forward to the Missouri Valley coming back to town. Brendan Weesey does a great job with the games, and I'll get to call a couple of those. I think I always get the Northern Iowa game. I think that's that's always the first game. Coach Z and myself, looking forward to that. And right now, if you're looking forward to the summer or even next winter, a big-time trip, you're starting to plan ahead could be a wedding, a honeymoon, a cruise, whatever it is, Altair Travel has the expertise for you. They've been doing this now for 40-plus years. And when you call 
I've mentioned this. If you're going on a safari to Africa, you want to see the Great Wall in China, wherever it is, your big trip that you have in mind, they'll have somebody on the staff who's been there, who has the expertise to make that trip absolutely perfect. Business travel, sure. Domestic, international, all of the above. One spot, Altair Travel and Cruises. AltairTravel.com is the website, but you can call Set up an appointment. Tell them you've heard about the living room, that great meeting space that they've created that you'd like to come by and go over this big trip that you have in mind. You want to do it in person. They're in Brentwood, right across from O.B. Clark's. Been there for years. You call 968-9600 to set that up. 314-968-9600 or online, altairtravel.com. Martin Kilcoin back with you. The Kilcoin Conversation on this Wednesday night. Hopefully you enjoyed our visit with the Valley Commissioner, Jeff Jackson, doing a great job replacing Doug Elgin, who had been there for decades, and Big Walt, i got to give him credit. He wasn't on a golf cart. He wasn't in the drive-thru. There was there was no noise. in the, But we had a great visit with Keith Kachuk and also our friends at Mid-America Airport. And I said this at the outset, we're recording this particular part of the show. So the developments at the Chiefs Parade, it sounded like some bad news, some shooting that took place. And again, I just want to, full disclosure, don't have all the details in front of me as I'm sitting in front of this microphone right now, but KTRS will be all over it all afternoon, all evening. Brendan Weesey joins me right now, sports director at KTRS, and it's just Needless to it's say, so unfortunate. Not, yeah. It's news, not good news. Not great, a terrible way to finish what's been a tremendous run for our friends to the to the western part of the state, no matter how you feel about the Chiefs and, and, and their entire run to the Super Bowl. Just, uh, just absolutely terrible. We know there are multiple victims. We know what happened at the Union Station, where they've had, I think, a lot of their trophy, what, what their you know parades for the Royals, parades for the Chiefs. It's ended at this particular location, and that's where things sort of devolved as uh, as everything was winding down. And what was obviously a crazy Super Bowl parade, you know, probably accurate to say hundreds of oh, thousands think, of yes. people, right? Yeah, the, the Chiefs brand has just gotten bigger, stronger. The fan base is more excited than ever. So just horrible to hear of anything negative. We don't know the full scope of it, but hopefully it's it's not as bad, I guess, as it could potentially be. I did want to tell you the, the number on Sunday, since we mentioned crowds, I always give you the ratings. On Sunday night, Channel 4 had the game, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. 560,000 people watched. More at certain times, a little less. That was the average. 560,000 people. The share, which is the number of TVs in this entire area. And again, I don't know how exactly they monitor it, but the percentage of TVs that were turned on and were watching the Super Bowl, 88%. And again, I don't know the people who weren't. We may have to... One year go around, hey, were you watching the game? Do you know anybody who wasn't watching the game? So massive rating, not just for CBS locally, but for the Chiefs brand. And I think we also heard, you know, for the Super Bowl itself, over $123 million. It, It's hard to believe, as splintered as TV is now, that that's just one. And Roger Goodell, who we knock a lot, has said, we will remain committed to broadcast TV. Meaning you're going to see some streaming, like you got to buy Amazon for Thursday, There's going to be elements like that, the Peacock playoff game. But I do give the NFL credit for the most part. If you want to watch their game, you can do it with rabbit ears. They're saying it's the most watched television show or event ever. 
right? The only thing I saw that countered that, one report on Monday night said, other than the moon landing, and I was like, I don't know how they monitored the numbers back, but now it seems to be widely accepted that, yeah, most watched, period. When I was a kid, it was the MASH, final episode, or the yeah, Cheers, yeah. final episode. But this apparently blew everything out of the water. And all of that, where you think of though, where with, with MASH or with Cheers, where, I mean, Cheers was I mean infiltrated by cable television, but certainly not for MASH, where there were so few options to actually watch on TV. You thought a lot of those records would stay the same. Like, you think about baseball, for instance, Martin, in the 80s and even parts of the 90s when the World Series would capture, what, 35 million plus and probably more than that earlier. And now we're talking about a World Series game that might get somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 million, right? And that might be on the high side. So, most sports, and sports is still the gold standard. That's what you want. You want those sports properties because it's live television and it's immune to to DVR and it's something you want to watch live and you'll you'll you have, you're forced basically to consume the commercials, right? All of, you know, most of all the other sports have have kind of leveled out in terms of what their viewership is or it's gone down even though it's still high. The NFL just continues to go up and I mean how much of that had to do with Taylor Swift? I'd imagine a little bit, but 123 million, maybe 200 million tuning in at one point or another. Maybe that's the number we should focus on. But it's really it, it's pretty wild when you think about where we're at today in 2024 that we could have a singular event with so many options out there uh, be the number one television show ever in terms of viewership is wild all right i mentioned at the outset i'd wait till you were here i was on with mcgraw this morning we were talking about kevin demoff he put out a tweet supporting steve spagnolo to have another chance as a head coach which i think is well and good but then he said a lot of mistakes were made including myself i was in over my head and we're like yeah we know we were here we lived through it (laughs) and and basically said the organization was a mess and when he said that i feel like it opened the door and i want to know more okay well what what was the mess why was it so bad? And we we agree that that place was always dysfunctional. But but be more specific because you were the president, and Billy Devaney was the GM. Spagnuolo was the coach. You three were all in lockstep. So what was horrible? Was Billy bad at his job picking players? Was John Shaw bad at being the de facto owner? Let's get more specific because we'd love to know. Other than just say, oh, it was a mess, and it was it was just the way it was, and so sorry it was a mess back then. Well, no, I, if you're going to throw that out there, I want more details. In terms of Steve Spagnuolo, 10-38, and 38, that was the record on the field. One year they won a single game, another year they won two games. Okay, so tell me why he's going to be a better head coach this time. Obviously, well-decorated now as the defensive coordinator. My issue with him, largely, didn't have to do with the wins and losses. That was almost secondary. It was a reign of terror with him and Billy Devaney and Demoff. They were firing people left and right, longtime Ram employees who'd been there for decades who were going to lose their job to people that were going to be there for a couple of years. Spagnola took over, immediately took down all the pictures, which sounds silly. But So there's a photo of Isaac Bruce and a Super Bowl trophy. Dick Vermeil, take them down. We're going to start our own tradition. Okay, stupid. Did Andy <laughs> Reid go into Kansas City and say, yeah, all the Len Dawson stuff, get rid of that? What's that stuff with Marcus Allen and Joe Montana? Get rid of that. <laughs> Derek Thomas's picture. You don't do that. That was part of the stupidity of the Spagnola era. And then they draft players and give them Orlando Pace's number, 
Torrey Holt's number, just out of spite, just to do it. Todd Hewitt, who was later fired as the equipment manager, gets a call from either Spagnola or Devaney and says, give Marty Gilliard 81. Todd Hewitt says, well, that was Torrey Holt's number. We just released him a year. He's He was really good. Give it to him. Marty Gilliard was a fourth-round pick who did nothing in the league. Roger Saffold had a nice NFL career. They said, give him 76. Todd Hewitt said, are you sure you want to do that? Because you kind of... It was things like that that they didn't have to do that they did. Telling Jim Hannafin you can't come into the building and work out anymore. He would go do the elliptical. Who gives a crap if Jim Hannafin's in the building? You might learn something. So there's a million things like that, how people were treated, which is why I get so riled up about the topic. And Demoff, if he wants to address all of that, I'm happy to do it. And you should. And you you got to witness it firsthand. And obviously when Demoff got there, the organization was was trending down. Arrow was pointing down for three or four years, certainly uh, after Linehan was there. But somehow it managed to get worse. Uh, maybe a slight uptick in Bradford's first year, Martin, but things actually got worse. And that was under uh, that was under Demoff. That was under his leadership. So to say things were were really bad, sure they were bad. They got worse with you. You were in charge. Billy Devaney was your guy. He was the GM. I know you didn't hire him. You didn't hire Spags, but you guys were in lockstep. Somehow you went from seven wins with Sam Bradford as a rookie. The next year, you won two games. I had a meeting with him that summer. He said, "We're about to be the Indianapolis Colts. Sam will be just like Peyton Manning." He told me, "We're about to take off." So don't give me this revisionist history now. Like, oh, we were a mess. We we don't have anything going for us. He thought they were on their way. They just happened to be inept. So I just don't like revisionist history. There's plenty to discuss if he wants to talk about it. But if you say the organization was a mess, get more specific because we agree it was a mess, and you were a big reason why. All right, Love Brendan Weesey coming up with Ben Fred. Also, top of the hour, hopefully an update from ABC News. Gary I would Pinkle think. with us tonight as well, joining the College Football Playoff Committee. We're going to hear from Coach uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. Okay, looking forward to that and an update from Kansas City again. Praying for all of our friends on the other side of the state. We'll talk to you again tomorrow at 6.